The Chargers continue to have issues with COVID-19 as Linval Joseph, the anchor along their defensive line, has now tested positive and is unvaccinated, meaning he will miss at least the next 10 days, including the Chargers game against the Denver Broncos inside the AFC West. So that is huge news. But we also do have some positives to get into today because we're going to highlight some of the best things we saw in the Chargers game on Sunday. And as well, we have to get into the what went wrong part of it, too. And there's some things that are very fixable for the Chargers going forward. But we have to get into all that, so let's go ahead and get into it. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always, my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And on today's show, we also have John Kegley, the specialist in everything that goes wrong in Chargers games, will be here with us today for what went right and what went wrong, because we know he's the king of that. But before we get started, we are three sports writers who got started covering the Chargers over five seasons ago. We started doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, especially those who are checking out the show today for the first time. And thank you guys for making us your first listen. We very much appreciate it. And if you guys need a second listen, make sure if you like any other sport to go find their Locked On show because we know that there is one. But on today's show, we do have a lot to get into because it is what went right and what went wrong. So we will have to talk about, you know, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, young guys on the defensive line stepping up. A lot of good things to get into, but obviously special teams disasters. Chargers giving up 27 points in the fourth quarter and not being able to put the game away earlier, even though they ended up doing it. And that's something that went right. But we have to start with the show with another, you know, big player missing due to COVID-19. And this time it's Limbaugh Joseph, who Brandon Staley announced on Monday is going to be placed on the COVID-19 list because he has tested positive for it. And he's unvaccinated, which in the current NFL rules means he's going to be out at least 10 days. So as of right now, we know that he will miss the Denver Broncos game. We do not know if he'll be back for the Cincinnati Bengals game at this point, but we know he could be by the letter of the law for how it goes for unvaccinated players. So obviously last week, Joey Bosa was a close contact. It didn't end up really you know, costing the Chargers anything because he didn't end up getting the virus, even though he's unvaccinated. Didn't make him miss any games. This time, an unvaccinated player is going to miss a game for the Chargers, and it's a big-time player. Obviously, David it was nice to see the Chargers run defense really step up this week, especially with guys off the practice squad, Braden Fehoko, Forrest Merrill coming in and having really good performances in lieu of the other guys who were missing. That was nice to see. Those dudes really played their asses off. But now you're going up against a Denver Broncos rushing attack, which is a little bit different. Two running backs, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, who have had good seasons for them. When their running game is on, it's on. And this is going to be a huge missing piece for the Chargers defense. Yeah, I mean, figuratively and literally, Linval Joseph is a mountain of a man, uh, and his presence, his presence as well. I mean, he's a, a veteran in this league, has over ten yes. years of experience, and I mean, he's a voice for this young defensive line group. And that interior group is very, very young. Outside of him, there's not a lot of experience there. So you're going to have to ask these guys who stepped up and played fairly well in this game on Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers to do that again against the Denver Broncos against not one, but two very talented running backs. And I mean, it's going to be a challenge, but you know, the chargers are going to have to uh, be ready for it. 
Yeah, and at least you feel better about it than you would had you not seen what you did see in the last game from those young guys. And the thing that obviously complicates things further is the fact that you don't know if Jerry Tillery, right, and Christian Covington will be back. You don't know for sure yet, but they should be back this weekend. And really, I think the question is, how much does that help? Because obviously, we saw the team that without those guys have a pretty good performance, right? We know Jerry Tillery obviously hasn't been great in run defense. I thought Christian Covington's actually been pretty good. I don't think that's going to hurt them. He definitely adds some much-needed girth to that defensive line group, especially on the interior. So I think that will help a little bit. But it's still one of those situations where you still don't feel good about it, even though the Chargers have been much better about it, John. Like, you still feel like Limbaugh Joseph obviously missing this game is going to be huge. And for the Chargers' defensive line, it's like, can it still hold up? Because obviously they started off as the worst run defense in the league. And even though we've seen some area of progression from that unit, especially with these guys in the last game, Najee Harris was still only averaging 3.7 yards per carry going into it, right? So it wasn't the most lethal rushing attack that you're going to face all season. So it's still kind of hard to buy into it, especially if you don't have Limbaugh Joseph. Because if you did have Limbaugh Joseph, you adding in maybe some of those young guys around him makes you feel a lot better about it. Missing him in this one still feels like it's going to be a big piece. It's definitely going to be a big piece. And the fact that he is on the COVID list means he can't even be at the game. Whereas like if he had like a little ankle injury or something that he just can't play on. He can still be at the game and help the young guys out. He can be there to be that mentor, let them know, hey, you messed up right here, or hey, try doing this next time, or make this read. He could do that. He can't do that at the game. He's not going to be there. So you're going to be missing his presence on the field and off the field. Agreed. So you're really going to have to figure out who's going to be the one to step up because they're all going to be a bunch of young guys. Who's going to be that one that steps up and becomes the playmaker, the leader? You didn't really have that playmaker you just had three guys basically rotating in that did their job very well and made the play when they needed to there was no like joy bosa on the on, within that group where you just know that standout player who is it going to be this time yeah and i think that you don't really need it right all you really need is a solid performance from those guys but not a lot of pass rush upside like i think honestly best case scenario with jerry tillery coming back maybe you're trying to work him in a little bit. So on the early downs, you keep him off the field. You get him in on obvious pass rushing situations and keep some of those guys who have played better on the obvious running downs, right? And, I mean, you're not getting a ton of pass rush either way, even if they go, you know, play action on first down and hit a deep pass or something like that. It's not like having Jerry Tillery in there is, obvious, you know, just going to make that not happen. So I think that you have guys that have stepped up and have deserved more snaps. And I think Justin Jones, obviously, deserve some credit as well because he played 81 percent of the snaps in that last game with a lot of young defensive linemen lined up next to him and he played pretty well too so it is going to be a big issue for the chargers to figure out this week obviously you have more faith that they can do it now than you would have a month ago that's for sure i mean if this happened a month ago you'd be like we're gonna give up you know about 350 rushing yards this week to the denver broncos teddy bridgewater might throw five passes in this game it's gonna look like you know some archaic college offense something along those lines, but you still feel a little bit better while still not being able to totally trust this unit yet. And we'll talk about it more. I think in one went right, because that was a positive from this game, but it has bitten the Denver Broncos as well, because their left tackle starting left tackle Garrett Bowles, who's been a pro bowl left tackle in his career is probably going to miss this game because he is also tested positive. So it is hurting both sides. Obviously you'd like to be at full strength, but they're going to be missing guys too. So there's no excuses just because Limbaugh Joseph isn't going to play in this game doesn't mean you shouldn't win this game. 
inside the division against a very inconsistent Denver Broncos team. But we are looking into this past game a little bit more because we do have to look at what went wrong. Because obviously, with a game that started off as promisingly as this one did, to get as close as it did in the fourth quarter, to give up a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter, obviously some things had to go wrong. And obviously, we have the expert in all things wrong here with us, John Kegley. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. All right, guys. Well, now it's time to get into what went wrong. And we have the Sultan of Sarcasm. We have the King Kong of Wrong here with us today. John Kegley, who specializes in finding the bad things that happen in Chargers games after even a win. And let's be honest, John. This wasn't, you know, Chargers Bengals 2020, right? Where you win on a missed field goal by Randy Bullock, 21 yards, you know, or whatever, 29 yards or whatever it was, a chip shot field goal. And you don't feel good about the win. Obviously, this is a game where there's a lot of things to look at, but you still went and took the game at the end. Either way, that doesn't, you know, make you, doesn't clear things up for how bad things did get for a little while in the fourth quarter and how wild that game got, even though it shouldn't have gotten that way. So when you're looking at the very first thing you think we have to talk about as far as what went wrong in this game, where would you start? I'd say early on in this game, you could not get off the field on third down. The Steelers kept converting it. And you had penalties that helped them with that, like Joey Bosa jumping off sides twice, for example. You had penalties that were helping them. You were assisting them in moving the ball down the field. Even though your offense was doing a great job moving the ball down the field, you were not getting off the field because you were allowing them to convert third downs. And I think that cost you a lot, of, a lot really, as far as like fatigue and freshness as the defense goes. I remember I mentioned keys to the game. I wanted the offense to make long drives to keep the defense fresh. The mm-hmm. offense did their, their part. They had We had three drives, and two of them started out with 12 plays and lasted a while. You had a fresh defense in that perspective, but you could not get off the field on third down. I think that made you a little bit more tired in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it definitely probably played a factor in it, right, because they had some obvious situations. I know in the first half, Chris Harris Jr. got beat on a couple of those third down conversions, right, where that was something where they could have gotten off the field and they didn't. And the Steelers only had three drives, really, right? They got one at the very end of the half after the Chargers field goal, and then they kneeled it out. You know, the they half ended. It wasn't a real drive. So on those three drives, though, the Chargers didn't really fully ever stop them. You have the fourth down play where you get off the field, right, obviously, and then you hold them to a field goal, and then they get a touchdown on the other drive. So they were moving the ball that entire first half, and it wasn't because of the run, and that was the funny thing. I mean, Najee Harris wasn't breaking off chunk runs to get those. I mean, it was other dudes that were getting beat. And I thought in this game, you know, Michael Davis, obviously a really tough game in this one coming back, got torched a couple of times. I know he had a big play. He allowed to chase Claypool had a, that big catch and run. I think it was 32 yards to Deontay Johnson, where he was chasing him across the field. And it was a tough matchup. According to PFF, seven out of his 10 targets, they completed against him almost a hundred yards and a touchdown allowed in this one. That's not a great comeback. And then Tavon Campbell filling in for Asante Samuel Jr. was a, you know, obviously not a bright spot, especially when you almost had the defensive stand of the season. After the block punt, you give it to him, you know, on your own three yard line. You get him to go for it on a fourth and goal. Like that is such a golden opportunity after such a disaster play. Tavon Campbell has the defensive pass interference there. And then, you know, Chris Harris Jr., I think he had two or three third down conversions allowed against him on the day. So, it was a really tough day, I thought, for the secondary. Asante Samuel Jr. had some bad moments as well, but also had probably the best moments out of any corners in the game, David. But obviously, 
the one thing you don't want to see with your run defense getting better is your secondary getting exposed. And some of these guys were on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the secondary is supposed to be the strength of your team. So to, to see that kind of go by the wayside with a quarterback who literally had no practice time whatsoever that flew in on a separate plane to show up just to play the game for him to throw for pretty much 300 yards against one of the better pass defenses in the NFL is definitely not something that you want to see. Speaking of passes, uh, how about dropped passes in this game? The Chargers had four drops, two of them by Jared Cook, one by Donald Parham, which was really bad. I mean, that one was a that one hit him directly in the hands, and that would have been a huge reception if he would have kept his hands on that one. And then Justin Jackson had the other drop. But Jared uh-huh. Cook here has five drops already on the season. And the past three seasons before this year, he had five drops all year long. So the drops for him, they're a problem and that he has to get on the jugs machine and get that corrected. He's usually very sure-handed. He gets open a lot, but if you drop the ball, you can't help the offense. Yeah, I mean, the drops have been huge. They've been a huge story all year, right? And it seems like it's affected every game. And as much as, you know, Donald Parham definitely should have caught his, I mean, let's not take away from how easy those catches were for Jared Cook too because one of them ends up being the fourth down play where you end up not getting it, right? If Jared Cook catches the pass earlier in that series, you're not facing a fourth and one there, right? So that's a huge play right there on a pass that, you know, he's juggling up to himself, just an easy, you know, pitch and catch, an easy first down. You can't have it. And the Chargers, you know, it seems like when the guys that have been big culprits, you know, Mike Williams has had a bunch, Keenan Allen has had a bunch. I mean, when they're catching the ball, now other guys are dropping balls, right? So, like, it's been a problem for a lot of these guys. Donald Parham, I felt like, was pretty sure-handed before that one. I can't remember a lot of drops from him this season. Obviously, Austin Eckler has a couple of notable ones. But, yeah, I mean, how can you feel good about that? It's been something that's been awful. But, John, I thought we were talking at a good conversation about the special teams as well, and that's something that definitely went wrong in this game because, like we've talked about, right, like we're okay with average special teams play. Like, sign us up. We'll sign the dotted line, all three of our souls to the devil right now. If you can just say we're going to be average, we're not going to give up any back-breaking plays on special teams, we're not going to you know, miss 29-yard game-winning field goal, stuff like that. But you had the disaster play in this game special teams-wise, and it was the block punt that gives up a touchdown, basically, because, yes, they had a chance to get off the field, but if you're starting on the three-yard line, it doesn't get much easier than that. And field position is another thing that went wrong in this game. You gave it to them at the 11-yard line after the interception, you give them up to the three-yard line after the uh, blocked punt, and then you also have the turnover on downs on your own 34-yard line. You're giving it to that going into, you know, the go-ahead And field two goal. decent kick returns, too. I mean, Yeah, they averaged 31 and a half yards per kick return in this game as well. And they made Dustin Hopkins, you know, a precious commodity for us at this point, make a couple of tackles, which I was like, okay, Dustin Hopkins, like, I see you out there, right? And then John... You don't want your kicker making those tackles as much as it's nice to see a kicker, you know, stop a guy in his tracks like we kind of saw from Dustin Hopkins. A blocked punt, those kickoff returns, like obviously the special team still has a ways to go. And that blocked punt, it's like we've been talking about it the whole year, right? We're like, it's going to happen. They've been getting close so many times. And finally, the disaster play caught up to them. The fact that Dustin Hopkins made those tackles just shows that someone is not getting there to make these tackles. And it's kind of sad. I mean, it, 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 this gets to go in the what went right segment as well. Dustin Hopkins making tackles because he he didn't just like dive at someone's leg and barely like flip the, the toe or something like that. No. He ran full speed chest Almost to chest like into the up, baby. That was a full on Oklahoma drill. 
tackle <laughs> by a kicker. <laughs> but he wasn't shying be, away from contact, that's for sure. But you shouldn't be getting to that point. Somebody right. else is supposed to be making these tackles, and then the block punt leads to what also went, went wrong. You blew a 17-point lead in prime time. You, in front of the whole nation, got to watch you charger in front of the whole nation. Like, why? You were doing so good. 27 to 10, you started figuring stuff out, and then – you let them back into the game with special teams. They, yeah, you already that started the whole thing right there. That block punt was what started the spiral for the. Chargers. That was the match right there. That was the yeah. match that got struck that ignited the fire that almost took this victory from the Chargers. For sure. Yeah, because at first it was just a well played game. You know, they just got a field goal. It's 27-13. You had the ball. If you punt it, okay, cool. If they drive and score another touchdown, they're going to take a lot of time off the clock probably or sure. they're going to screw themselves and not score at all. But that block Yeah, punt, you have a chance to get a stop. The, yeah. You got the crowd back into it. The Steelers fans were not even alive. Like the terrible towel was yeah. still in the washing machine. Like no <laughs> one was seeing it. And out of nowhere, that brought the crowd alive, the Steelers alive. You brought them back in the game. Chris Collinsworth alive. Oh God! Do not don't yeah. even remind me about him. But that's another way. Yeah. What went wrong in this game? No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, you had the opportunity, despite bad field position, because your special teams, a block punt was really what ignited everything. You, the yeah, block no, punt it ignited was. everything. It, that's what started it, and I think that goes along with one of mine as well, which is just like you didn't pull away when you had the chance. Like you had the chance to make this a much easier game, right? You gave up 27 fourth quarter points, but it was like a possession by possession thing where you had so many chances. Okay. Right. Possession up four. you know, you're up by 14 in the fourth quarter, a chance to go up by 21 with three forty left charger settle for a field goal after a holding call. Right. Okay. That's what they have to do. Still feel good about it. You put yourself up 17. I think that was the end of the third at that point up 14 again, right. You get in the same situation. You go three and out. You have a chance to go up 21. You gave the field goal back, but you have a chance to go up by 21 in the fourth quarter. That pretty much puts the game away. Right. What do you do? You go Absolutely. three and out. You get the punt blocked, right? And that ends up being a touchdown for the Steelers that cuts it to 27 to 20, right? But you had a chance to go up 21, and instead you turn it into a seven-point lead. That's a disaster right there. Get the ball back with 449 left in the game, up 34-27. Chance to go up by 14 points left less than five minutes ago. Herbert gets intercepted. Steelers get the ball in the LAC 11. They score easily to tie the game like these were all chances, even though they ended in disaster. The Chargers had a chance on all of those drives to pretty much put the game away, right? They had the chance to do it. With 423 remaining in the game, the Chargers have a chance to tie the game or in a tie game for a four-minute drive. They can end the you know game with the ball in their hands. They can kick a chip shot field goal if they want. They can go down, run the clock off, and score a touchdown closer to the end of the game. They have that, and they've done that, right? You look at the Washington football team game. They did that. You look at the Eagles game. They had a lot of that, too. So, like... They had the chances to put this game away so many times, and they do get credit for ending the game the way they did. They went and took it at the end. Still very important. The thing is, though, really good teams put other teams away when they smell that blood in the water. We saw yeah, that they, they don't deal with them. that adversity, right? That we no. saw in the fourth quarter. They they take care of business and they end the game emphatically. Sure. We haven't seen that up to this point with the Chargers. They're winning these games, which is good, but they're still dealing with a lot more adversity than they should have. Yeah, and it's just you had a chance that that just has to be something that goes wrong. It's just you had all these chances to put the game away, you didn't do it, and that's something that has to go wrong. Even if you get credit for winning the game, a win is a win. You still went out and did what you had to do, and we'll talk about that in the next segment. That's something that went right. 
but giving up 27 points in the fourth quarter and having it not even really be against your defense, right? Because we talked about before the show, like people see that and they're like, wow, the Chargers defense is just disgustingly bad. And when it's like, okay, well, they did get a ball start against them at the three, the 11, and the 34. That's pretty good starting field position where every one of those drives, you start at least in field goal range. Every one of those drives, you're basically starting with giving them at least three points. They end up getting 17 out of that, right? So context matters there as well. And also what went wrong, Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, we talked about what went wrong for the other corners, but at some, you know, somehow at this point in the season, the Chargers second round rookie now has his second concussion and is also the Chargers best cornerback at this point. I feel safe saying, yeah, I just don't know if Michael Davis or Chris Harris Jr. or Tavon Campbell have had a better season than him. And it's crazy they rely on him this much, but we've seen scary concussion things happen, right? Joey Bosa missed a lot of time last year, talked about how tough that was. We've obviously have in the history for the Chargers, Brandon Flowers, who was older but had concussions, you know, hey, he'll be back in a week or two, ends up missing their entire rest of the season, right? So you just don't know, but you wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers really want to take this slow because of how talented he is because, yeah, he gave up some big plays. He bounced back from every one of them, right? Gives up a big chunk, fights off a fade in the end zone. He gives up a touchdown, gets a breakup on third and eight. So he's just been so important. Having him get a second concussion in his rookie season is devastating for a young talent like that early in his career. But if the Chargers play their cards right, if they take their time to let him fully heal right and get ready to go again, he could pay big dividends by the end of the season. But right now, the Chargers secondary, the corners, they're all going to have to play much better than they did on Sunday. They're going to stay in the thick of things here down the stretch, especially when they were buoyed by a pretty good run defense on Sunday. But we do have one more segment to get into because we do always like to end the show on a positive note and get into this silver lining of things. And we'll talk about what went right and we know i guess we have our specialist homer david here for that one i mean i'm giving john all the titles so i better give david a little bit for the one way right segment but a lot went right for the Chargers, including you know the offense having maybe its best game of the season like a lot of good things happened for the Chargers offensively on sunday outside of a couple of drives so we're gonna get into that and more coming up right after this but first i need to tell you guys that it's thanksgiving we all know what that means football and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting BetOnline has you covered the whole holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. I mean, I loved that last Chargers game on Thanksgiving, that's for sure. Keenan Allen absolutely dicing up the Dallas Cowboys and Phillip Rivers going out there and smashing them. Made the turkey smell that many and taste that much better because that was just so fun to watch. And that's just a staple of Thanksgiving. Like, you have to have, you know, I've gotten so many weird looks from my family just from watching football all day while they're, you know, eating and conversating and I'm just like oh what's the score of the Lions and Bears like two terrible teams with a terrible game but I don't care because football and Thanksgiving is so important and you should bet on it because especially on those bad games there's nothing that's going to make those bad games more interesting than having some money on it so make sure you guys head to the new updated desktop a desktop or mobile device to sign up today and you guys can receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on to receive that bonus it's promo code locked on all caps one word for house money to play with on Thanksgiving with the promo code LOCKDOWN and on Thanksgiving, guys, they're going to have a bunch of different specials going on. So many great things to check out on Thanksgiving specifically. But it's not just football. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet Online, we are stuffed with deals for Thanksgiving. All right, guys. Well, now it's time to get into what went right. And for as many negative things we talked about seemingly today, right? Still a ton of positives from this game. I mean, there's a lot of places that you can look and find positives, especially for the Chargers, where a couple of guys had historic games. David, I mean, 
Austin Eckler, four touchdowns. Justin Herbert, first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 350 and run for 90. I saw somebody call him the Vanilla Vic, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, I mean, I but it. that was just nobody's even done 350 in 90 rushing yards, right? At least That's 350. That's how impressive that was. Nobody's and, done 380 yeah. in 90 rushing yards. Even more impressive. Nobody's either done, you know, 370 or 360 in 90 rushing yards either. But no one's even gotten basically close, at least, you know, passing yards-wise, to what Justin Herbert did with those 90 rushing yards. And that went down because of the kneel downs at the end. He was up to 93 at one point. But a lot of places you could start here, David, with what went right. So where do you want to start things? Yeah, I'm going to start with Austin Eckler tonight. Uh, I just think Austin Eckler was phenomenal in this football game. They they got him uh, out in space where he was able to torch linebackers like Devin Bush Jr. Sorry, <laughs> Devin. Uh, that was a really bad. Are you uh, sorry? Uh, <laughs> I'm not. Not at all. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. Yeah, uh, and neither like is Austin Eckler. wearing a Steelers jacket, too. Just let the record show. Uh, no. All I'm just saying. All day. <laughs> just just so I can clear that up. Just so I can clear that up. 17 <laughs> touches, 115 total yards. Six of seven, 65 yards, and two touchdowns through the air. Like I said, two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, just a monumental big-time performance. And Austin Eckler was the first player in LAC history with two rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns, and the first player to do it since Maurice Jones-Drew in Week 14 of 2011. Just a great performance from Austin Eckler, and the Chargers needed every single one of those touchdowns. Yeah, I talked about it today on Twitter, just saying, like, you're never supposed to pay those running backs, right? But the Chargers went from, you know, potentially paying $12 you know, million to Melvin Gordon over multiple years to missing out on that Ooh. and then signing his backup, right, who we already kind of felt was a more impactful guy even at that time with less of the pedigree and not a first-round draft pick. A first-round draft pick versus an undrafted player. Obviously, one of them, you know, was more likely to get paid when things started out, but Austin Eckler gets such a good deal. Like, that's such a solid contract for the Chargers. He's honestly underpaid, right, with what he's making right now. What a huge signing to bring him back into the fold, especially when you see the lack of production behind him. I mean, there's been a lot of jokes. You know, RB2 right now is actually just Justin Herbert, and that's, <laughs> that's the only second <laughs> running back really the Chargers have right now, and they really need him kind of to be that. But this is something that definitely went right, John. Justin Herbert and Mike Williams hooking up again in big moments because we know how – important he was earlier in the year when their offense was looking really good and how absent he's been in the three out of the four games that weren't the Eagles game where the Chargers offense has looked really bad but we have to get in this staff from field Yates because this was a crazy one Justin Herbert leads the NFL with five fourth quarter comebacks already this year should be six right if they get that touchdown against Dallas and that doesn't get called back for that illegal shift they have six fourth quarter comebacks this year that's crazy that Justin Herbert leads the NFL in that, and obviously that means you have to be down in a lot of fourth quarters. But the duo of Herbert and Mike Williams have combined for five go-ahead touchdowns in the fourth quarter, the most ever in a single season, John, in NFL history. So seeing that happen in you know the first 10 games is pretty ridiculous, and that was a welcome sight. Justin Herbert balling out and him and Mike Williams connecting for go-ahead touchdowns late in the game. Well, even with Keenan Allen coming back into the picture with a not dropping passes in this game as well needs to get mentioned great. in that little in that little part. But it was nice to see Mike Williams come back and he gets that game winning touchdown and he does that little high step walk to avoid the tackle to break the tackle the after the catch. A broken tackle <laughs> after the catch. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a wild stat though to have that through the first ten games. Nobody has ever done that. More fourth quarter go ahead touchdown. That's pretty nice. I, when I saw that, I was like. 
Wait, you mean Montana to Jerry Rice didn't have this kind of stat? Are you kidding me? Really? They probably weren't down as in hey, as many fourth quarters as the Chargers are, but yeah, okay. that probably plays Joe, a part of it. Joe so Montana you, yeah. was Joe Montana was known as a Mister Fourth Quarter, so <laughs> the fact that it wasn't Jerry Rice that caught five in one season is amazing to me. So that's a that's a good company to be above, really, when it comes to that kind of stat, especially like the John Elways to somebody. Philip Rivers somebody. only has 29 in his career, and Justin Herbert has six in this season. You know what I mean? I mean, that's pretty pretty crazy. He's almost at 10 for his career, and he's not even through two seasons yet. So he's almost a third of the way to Philip Rivers' record for it the Chargers, at least. But I think you also got to mention somebody in this segment that we mentioned in the last segment for making tackles. Those tackles were pretty amazing, Dustin Hopkins. <laughs> they deserve to be in this segment as well, but and you didn't miss a kick goals. either. Yeah. And you didn't miss a kick. You did not miss a kick. You made tackles on special teams. I mean, you you should be special teams player of the week, really, in the NFL, not just for the Chargers. You made all the kicks, especially the clutch extra point, and you were making tackles to save yardage. That was already a good kickoff return to begin with. You saved yardage by just throwing yourself into somebody else. That's a That's a tackle. That's a special teams player. Yeah, inconsistently kicking it through the end zone after those tackles, right? I think he had enough after the second one. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to kick every single one of these through the, the back of the end zone. I don't feel like making any more tackles the I'm rest of the I'm done with this. I'll yeah, just take exactly. this into my own hands. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, on the defensive side of things, I mean, just some guys. Joey Bosa, even though he goes down with one tackle and one tackle for or one sack and one tackle for loss. He was right there on all three sacks. I mean, Shannon Wosu sack and Kyler Fackrell sack. He played a big part of as well. Joey Bosa but, and, and the again. timing when it no, happened. Yeah. He, he got a sack at the end of the game when the Chargers needed it the most. That's what happens. That's what these big time players do. They turn it on when their team needs it the most. That's what Joey did. Yeah, and I thought that Kazir line. White. Yeah, the one that I'm going to get to the whole defensive line too. But Kazir White, another really good game. He diagnoses that fourth down play that's killed the Chargers so many times on that second drive for the Steelers that is offense. So much better. I mean, he just covered that up. The instincts there were so nice to see, and he stops the touchdown right and gets the ball back to the Chargers, which you I know, mean, Chargers offense, which is something he's done a bunch of times this season. I mean, him and Joey Bosa and Derwin James are usually at the center of getting the ball back into the Chargers offense's hands. So. Kazir White continuing to play well, continuing to diagnose and have really good instincts and being a factor in the running game as well. But Joey Bosa, even the tackles in the flats, right? Two tackles in the flats as an outside linebacker was really nice to see because it seemed like Brain and Staley kind of knew they were going to do something really quick on those plays because you never want to see him doing that, right? Dropping. But every, both times I saw him do it, you know, two out of three, I think that I saw him do it. They went to a play in the flats with him right in front of it and he made two open field tackles. That were pretty yeah, nice, one on yeah. a tight end. I mean, that's something that Joey has never been asked to do before this time. I think they were I both on tight ends. Yeah, yeah. I put I put a clip of it on my Twitter account. Um, if you want to go see it, I mean, that's really fantastic stuff from Joey. Really, he just doesn't yeah. do that. So I thought one was deep on and one was prime move. Yeah, yeah. So th- that obviously was nice. Yeah, and just seeing him, you know, and I don't know how much he loves being a stand-up guy on the outside, but he obviously was at his best on the interior too. I mean, that dude is so dangerous when he's lined up inside. But to John's point, I mean, the entire young defensive line that stepped up in this game deserves a lot of credit. And that's the Forrest Merrill's, our boy, the Braden Forrest, who got a nice run stop in there. Joe Gaziano got his hand up and batted down a pass on third down. That was huge. I mean, these guys stepped up when it wasn't 
these were the backups coming in for the starters who were the worst in the league at run defense, right? So to see the performance that those guys did to get that out the way that those guys did and like to hear them, you know, like those guys were so confident in themselves and the defense was so confident in those young guys to step up. That's pretty cool. I mean, three practice squad players, Andrew Brown out there, Forrest Merrill, Braden Fehoko, all coming in and playing, you know, and paying dividends for the Chargers. And shout out to Justin Jones too. Like I said, 81% of the run defense or the total defensive snaps. That's a lot for a defensive tackle. So that's pretty nice to see him, you know, being able to play that and being part of the reason why the Chargers run defense is getting better. And that's huge, David, because in the last four games, we have seen improvement for the Chargers run defense. And I don't think we ever thought we were going to say it say isn't that. so. Last four say games, so. guys, last four games, 129 attempts, 476 yards, right? So 119 yards per game, but only 3.69 yards per carry over a four game sample size. That's pretty wild considering this team. That's is tangible. You can win with that. You know what I mean? The yeah. worst game in the last four was against the Eagles. A lot of that was Jalen Hurts, too. He was, you know, their best yards oh, per yeah. carry runner that day. But even in that game, they only averaged 4.5 yards per carry. The other three games, the Chargers have allowed 3.6 yards per carry, 3.1, and 3.1 the last two games in a row. So, David, that's something that's huge. Hopefully that can continue for the Chargers, especially with their secondary obviously having some flaws. Yeah, no question about it. The, the Chargers need it. The, the Chargers need that run defense to continue to improve, to continue to get better, to trend to get better as we get towards the end of the season. That's what we want to see. Two other guys we got to shout out. I know we've already talked about Justin, but I'm going to talk about him again. He had a yeah. phenomenal performance in this game. 380 passing yards, three touchdowns. The, the running, the, the, the rushing, though, I think was the biggest component of this performance because we know that Justin Herbert is capable of running and getting those yards, but we hadn't really seen it up to this point, but he exploded in this game. He saw the opportunities. He made the right decisions. He ran and he got those yards. He protected the ball. I mean, yeah, whatever with the one interception that that hit Hayward right in his helmet. Okay. But he was very decisive when he decided to make those decisions to go run for the ball. And it was fantastic. That's what the chargers need. That's what Justin Herbert does at a high level. And now we're finally seeing it at the NFL level. Yeah. And Keenan Allen deserves a shout out as well. Right. Another game where he what, quietly goes for a buck 12 on nine catches. Right. And just making huge catches third and 13. He catches that 30 yard absolute laser beam. I retweeted it That's on beautiful. my account. I mean, it was just to fit that in there in two man where you have somebody underneath and two guys over the top and you're fitting it into that Bermuda triangle in between those dudes where most quarterback you're saying, do not attempt that throw because it will be intercepted by someone. And then to have it go where it did, like Keenan Allen wasn't even open really like, and he's firing that ball in there 30 yards down the field and the exact timing because timing is everything on that play to make that, to fit that ball. in. another few crazy throws from Justin Herbert as well in this game, he just, making those wild throws, but like he needs to be a superstar quarterback. He needs to elevate the guys around him. And I think we actually saw more of that on Sunday with Justin Herbert. Like he made their offense that much better. He helped the receivers and the running backs with his rushing ability. John, like when he's playing at that level, when he's using his legs, he's so hard to stop. And that's just after the month that he had, even though he played really well against Philly, it was just so nice to see this version of Justin Herbert who took his game to the next level. He really did. It made a big difference in the game. You had so many op- 
opportunities to just blow the game just because the Steelers made the right coverage. Like they dropped back and they had all the coverage, they had all your receivers taken away, and you just throw an incomplete pass. That's a Phillip Rivers type play because he's not a great scrambler. Like no nothing against Rivers, but you wouldn't see that when he Rivers just was never in the game. owned that. Yeah, he never owned yeah. that ability. Herb, Herbert gave you a new dimension to the offense, a new opportunity to extend plays and extend drives, and you sh- it showed in this game. And it was a big factor in the fact that you blew the lead, but you finished the game. You were able to finish this game, and you didn't blow a fourth and twenty nine. I got I got to say it. You didn't. Yeah. The Steelers went fourth and twenty nine. You didn't let let them convert it. You finished the game. You were down. You came back, got the game winning touchdown, a great pass to Mike Williams, and then you had the Steelers in fourth and twenty nine, and you stopped them. You stopped the Steelers on fourth and twenty nine. You got the win. It has to be said. I I said it. Mike drop. Well, thankfully, yeah, no, it wasn't fourth and twenty nine. Yeah, fourth and thirty two. Yeah. Yeah, but if it would have gotten I, I that snap off, on it was fourth no, and twenty nine. They yeah. got a penalty that made it half distance to the goal. Sure, but thank God they didn't get the snap off on fourth and twenty nine because who knows? You know what I mean? Who knows? Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> anything <laughs> anything but fourth and twenty nine. Well, and the thing we talked about before the show, where it's like, yeah, fourth and nine seems crazy until you think about it. It's really only a defensive holding. Or an elite right, going against yeah. the face, or a roughing the passer. Oh, rice. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Fourth and 29, <laughs> hey, diddle diddle, you know the rest. But like, <laughs> we've seen those dumb things happen, right? Even, you know, last year or like the last couple of years, the game against the Broncos where they have that pass interference where they just threw it up at the end of the game. They just give up an easy pass interference. We saw those against Casey Hayward last year towards the end of games. Like, it's not uncharged oh, like to do something game. stupid. Yeah. And like, that's part of this. I mean, Justin Herbert, superstar, he showed it, and that's huge. If he plays like that, the Chargers are just going to be so hard to beat because he also did the bailing out thing again where he bails you out on third and 13, where he's making yeah. some crazy throws. He's picking up third and fives with his legs. That's obviously part of his game. Especially but, if you incorporate Austin Eckler into the offense the way you didn't open up the passing game more. Right. And just getting everyone involved. Like, they had everybody super involved in this game. I mean, they got – Hey, Trey McKinney gets a catch. Josh Josh Palmer gets a couple catches. I mean, it's nice. Yeah, it's Josh Palmer had a catch. Jalen Guying had a catch. Trey McKinney, Donna Parham, four catches, which is unlike – You know, I almost had the Donna Parham, you know, a bold prediction, Donna Parham, Keenan Allen thing, right? They missed two touchdowns. But John Kegley's bold prediction actually did come right. So that's something – or did come true, I should say. He said Najee Harris, less than 50 rushing yards. Guy was only averaging 3.7 yards per carry coming into it. But that is something that went right at the end of the game. Like, as much as I bashed him in the last segment for not putting the game away, finding a way to win the game is important because this is a flawed roster. It's not always going to look pretty. You're going to give up some leads, and you're going to be forced to come back in the fourth quarter and win a game, and the defense could play bad for the entire game, and they're going to be asked to make a stop at the end of it. And that's what we saw in this game. With everything going poorly, on that fourth down play right that was going bad. That fourth down and one call, obviously, it has to be a quarterback sneak there. That's something that went wrong. But yes. your defense after that, holding them to a field goal, were really two first downs, the game's over. They kick a game-winning field goal, the game is over. Your defense holds them to a field goal, gets the offense the ball back, right? That was huge. Chargers go up. They score the touchdown. Because that's the other thing with Justin Herbert is he's had to come through in, you know, in the clutch so many times this year and so many times he's gotten it done and like, I love Philip Rivers, but like, there's a lot of end of game situations where it ended in interceptions. Let's be honest about it, right? Where they came yeah. just close to getting that fourth quarter comeback, and they come up just short, right? That happened a lot. Justin Herbert's not making that play 
with the game on the line at the end of it there, right? He's going down. He's exposing the defense for trying to, you know, jump up around on Keenan Allen and finding a 53-yard touchdown to Mike Williams. So, like, to see that in Justin Herbert for as much as bad has gone on the last month before this game, that's huge to see for a young quarterback. Going out and winning these games is not easy. Going out and not making that disaster play while still trying to be aggressive is not easy. Great experience. And and they've done it, right? And then the Chargers defense again, you know, getting those back-to-back sacks, not doing anything stupid on third and Ending 29. things aggressively. I mean, on third and 29, they could have just given up 15, right? And that's still brutal because it's still yeah. a much more manageable fourth down, even if it's like fourth and 13 or whatever, or fourth and 14. So, like, they could have done a lot of dumb stuff there. And on that last drive, they run a stunt that gets Kyler Fackrell in with Joey Bosa going inside out that gets a sack that loses eight yards. You get an 11-yard sack by Joey Bosa, just manhandling the left guard. And I loved about that, too, was, like, he used the right tackle to, like, keep himself on a straight rushing pass. Like, he got by the right guard so easily and then pushed off the right tackle to get back going towards Ben Roethlisberger and absolutely swallowed him up, right? Poor Big Ben and his ingrown toenail. But that was nice because, I mean, no matter how it happens, even though at the end of the game you're, you know, you blow the lead. All that bad stuff. The Chargers deserve to be criticized for that. You found a way to win the game. And too many years before this, we see the team implode on themselves and not be able to pull themselves out of that black hole. I mean, the black hole was sucking in everything <laughs> in this game. I mean, everything was going wrong for the Chargers. They have the big answer on the touchdown drive by Justin Herbert in between the blocked play and the interception. That was a huge drive for them. And at the end of the game, you get the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. And when the last two possessions had ended in an interception and a turnover on downs, that's what they had the two drives leading up to the go-ahead touchdown drive for the Chargers. So they deserve a lot of credit for finding a way to pull that game out. In the AFC, when the Titans are losing to the Texans, when the Bengals are losing to the Jets, when the Titans are losing to the Jets, a couple weird losses for them, the Bills are losing to the Jaguars. There's no win you can take for granted. There's no team you can overlook, and there's no win that you can take for granted in this wild AFC this year. So the Chargers got things done. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. This week is going to be a little bit different, though, guys. Because of Thanksgiving, we'll be posting our last show either Thursday or Fridays, but there's only going to be four shows this week. Tomorrow is going to be Crossover Wednesday, right? We're throwing things back with a Crossover Wednesday. We're going to have Cody Rourke on the show to break down this matchup, which is a huge matchup. I mean, the chance to go to 7-4, and four, the chance to go to 3-0 and oh in the division, 3-0 in the division. That is huge. The easiest way to win a playoff spot is by winning inside your division, and the Chargers have a chance to start 3-0 when they're only a couple of seasons away from going 0-6. That cannot be understated how big of a matchup this is. And it's a weird team that you can't feel good about because they blasted the Bronco or the Cowboys right and then lost an embarrassing game to the Eagles. You just don't know what's going to happen. So I'm excited for the crossover this week. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then the last show of the week, maybe on Thursday on Thanksgiving, we might put out a show that'll be our prediction show. We'll go through what we know at that point and talk about what our keys for success are going to be. But to make sure you guys don't miss it, if you guys are checking the show out on our new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel, make sure to go to the bottom and hit subscribe there. We would really appreciate it, and we like doing that with you guys. If you guys want to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts from, you can do that at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the new Odyssey app, and even the TuneIn app, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. But you can also find us on social media. You can find the show's page at on Twitter at Locked On LAC. You can find us on Twitter for me at Dan Talk Sports, David Drogmeyer at Drotalk SD, and John Kegley 
if you're not looking at it on YouTube, which is much easier because it's a terrible, terrible name, is at Biggest Charger Fan 1G Charger FN at the end. So <laughs> that's John Kegley's for you. But you can also find our new at Locked On Chargers Instagram page and find our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. But this week's getting sped up a little bit. We have, you know, that was a fun win, a wild win, you know, a heart racing win. And the Chargers are going to have to do it all again on Sunday against the Broncos. Or no Charger fans going to feel good about six in five. It just nah, it doesn't have the same ring to it. So hopefully the Chargers can get things done. To make sure you don't miss it, make sure to follow wherever you get the show from. Always free on all platforms. You can always find the Locked On Chargers podcast. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow, as always, with a Locked On crossover episode of the week. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.